friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I'm here with Will Oldham. We are in his home yeah. in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a very nice home. Thanks for having me over. Yes, thanks for coming over. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I'm always particularly interested to have folks on the show who've done a lot of touring. I don't know when you started touring, but... I started touring in 92, probably. Okay. 92, 93. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard not to accumulate some stories. Yeah. If you do it for a little while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very curious to hear about your show ever. Yeah. You know, in general, going out on the road, you know, you can't have... Well, I don't think one can have a lot of expectations. Sure. So, if a show meets the minimum requirements of, you know, kind of existing, there are things that can make them less pleasurable than others. Like, if there's one exit for everybody... And that exit is closer to the back of the room, meaning like farther away from the stage or the performance zone. That can make any show the worst show ever for me. Like just knowing that there are you know, that you can't, that we would die, that the performers would die for, you know, that's it. (laughs) Okay. You know, and you just know that you're just in there and you're with a bunch of people who aren't facing whatever danger might be coming their way. If it was a fire or something like that, they're drinking, you know, you just, your odds of survival should something go wrong get worse with each passing moment over the course of an evening. Okay. I've never thought about this. <laughs> like, if, they, if it's a place, you know, with no fire exit or something okay. like that, you know. Yeah. Or if you, you know, you have, like, Montezuma's Re- Revenge and there's no artist bathroom or something right. like that, that can also make for a terrible show. Yeah. But in general, like, going into any space, you know, the worst, well, you figure that's going to be part of the show, right? You right. figure... You know, you're bringing your music and you want to see how adaptable your music is to a given space. So right. they can throw all sorts of crazy stuff at you. And it's fine because that's what you're kind of there for is to see, right. you know, what happens to the music once it's out in the real world. And people can mistreat you and they can lie to you about money or times or, you know, audiences can be disrespectful. But there was, there was, I had an experience where, uh, it's sort of the the, the culmination. It, it isn't super dramatic, but it was a massive learning experience because I'm a pretty trusting person, and I'd done a, a small trip through Spain. I think it was Bill Callahan and I played solo shows together. Okay. And there was a guy taking us around, and the shows were really strange and interesting, and the guy was very sweet, really beautiful guy, and his name is Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And uh and he said he suggested that we do some more shows together. That maybe we he said, you know, I have a label I could put something out and we could, you know, you could tour it and I could get shows all over Spain. And I thought that sounds wonderful. Sounds yeah. so wonderful. I really liked really liked him. Um to the point of like, you know, having like, you know, a man crush on him, you know. Yeah. He's just adorable. And so we set up this thing and I recorded some songs, sent them to him. He's putting this EP together. And uh, oh, and, and he has another band called Migala that he put out on his label. And he suggested that we tour together and Migala play a set and then that they act as my band and we play okay. another set. And So you and Bill Callahan were doing we had, solo We had done separates. solo sets before and right. that's how I met Jesus and yeah. then came back without Bill. And, okay. And it was kind of... So... There's a worst show, but it was kind of 
except for Migala, who are who are so great. It was you know just the worst tour, the worst tour ever. Okay. Um, Spain is rough for me. Yeah. Do you find Spain rough? I've only toured in Spain once, and it was rough. Though similarly, I had a guy that was kind of had booked all of my Spanish shows and like drove me to some of them and was yeah. super super nice. I wondered for a second. I was like, oh, is it the same guy? <laughs> and there was a guy. There was a guy back in the. This was in the '90s, and back in the '90s, there was a guy named Unai. And have you seen that movie called? I think it's called Radiation. I don't think so. It's I'm trying to remember. I think it was some form of uh, of a Louisville band that existed at the time that there was a script and it was fictionalized but it was very realistic and they used a real band and a real Spanish promoter tour manager this guy named Unai and it was just everything, you know, fell apart before it yeah, got going every show, you know, and I mean the thing I I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but the thing that I thought of was how, and I don't I don't hold this against Spain. I just am aware of the cultural difference between, like things starting so much later, yeah, than what would be normal in the U.S. Right. I, mean, I had I played shows that didn't start until midnight, and that to me was bizarre, especially because I. The the one time that I toured there, I think I flew into Portugal, and I was still kind of adjusting to the time difference, uh-huh. and so it was really hard to be awake. Yeah, <laughs> for me having just flown over, so that that's not anyone else's fault. That was just a no, but a, but a I you know I think Spain is and Italy is a little bit like this, but yeah. Spain is a place where. You know, your tour manager or your promoter or somebody will say, well, the show starts at, you know, 8.30 and you show up at 8, you know, whatever, or you show up at 6 and the doors are locked and there's nobody there. Yeah. And you realize that the show probably isn't going to start till 10 or 11 and then you try to conserve your energy and psych yeah. yourself up for an 11 or 11.30 and then... Oh no, but but actually we have we have two openers, and so we you know you probably start you know twelve thirty or one like probably yeah, you know, right. <laughs> and there's just no you can't. I like to have a foundation, you know, when when you're gonna. I just like to know when I'm gonna start yeah. and zone out of everything else for yeah. forty five minutes or so before, and just be preparing. But if they don't give you that yeah, opportunity, to, yeah, yeah. Um, so Jesus, Jesus had uh, <laughs> like the thing that that started things going strangely was he had um, sent me a fax saying you know I said are the EPs ready and he said oh my gosh they're yeah the, you know they just came in I'm holding one in my hand I think you're going to be really happy with these great okay so then when I land I get in. The, he picks me up. I get in the vehicle, and he's. I said, "Oh, could I see one of the EPs?" He's like, "Oh, they haven't arrived yet." <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like he literally said he he was he holding. Literally one in his hand. wrote. He didn't even say it. He wrote it. I'm hold, and I, and I, I like dug through my papers and I found it. And I didn't know how to how to question him about that. I was just thinking like, okay, it says here that he's holding one. And he's You're like looking for and the he's, possible. Yeah, I'm just like, what the hell? Like loss of translation, maybe. Like, yeah. Does does holding one in something in one's hand mean something different in Spanish? Yeah, <laughs> and it's a kind of you know I was in my late twenties and you know by the grace of God I hadn't really encountered such bold faced 
dishonesty <laughs> before in my life that I was aware of. Right. Since maybe, you know, first grade or something like that. Yeah. You know, no, the, I did not eat your Oreos. And so began, you know, and again, it was this guy that I really, I was just, I was so excited about beginning a long, you know, business yeah. music relationship with this guy that began on that trip you know, I, I never knew what was going to come out of his mouth, and it, and it <laughs> rarely had any relationship to the truth. And and so, you know, it ultimately led to our Madrid show. It was as, you know, most of the story just is around, like, learning about people being dishonest and how, you know, negatively it can af- it, But we get to this point in, in where... In the Madrid show, which isn't a Madrid show, it's a show that's forty minutes outside in some okay. you know, bedroom community of Madrid, right? Which seems a bit like a wasted opportunity, and it seems like it's maybe in kind of a social club that maybe people go there on Saturday nights or something, okay? Because they're just talking, just you know, people aren't paying any attention, okay? Yeah, and after maybe three or four songs, I realize that people aren't paying attention and we play the third song it's this song called Horses that was written by Sally Timms and John Langford from the Mekons finish it you know it's a pretty crowded room but there's no change in audience dynamic so meaning that nobody like nothing applauds yeah no or, yeah, they're just talking about just yeah. Yeah. the end of a song or yeah so then I said you know well let's play it again <laughs> So we played it again. (laughs) (laughs) That was like just to see if anyone noticed? Kind of. Okay. Yeah, just to see then. Yeah. Yeah, just to see if anyone noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that a thing you had done before? I don't think I'd ever played a song twice. Just to see if if anyone even notices if they're so checked out that they just... And um, we played it again, and, and yeah, there was no evidence of anybody noticing. But you're like watching the audience. Oh now. yeah, we're yeah we're watching the looking audience. Looking for someone just to look up and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, and yeah, no change at all. So <laughs> it's like okay, let's let's play it again. <laughs> now you're playing with this band. Yeah. And they're they had opened. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And are they totally game to just do they're... this as a joke or? They're, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, they were, you know, as we all were, somewhat young and inexperienced, and I think they were somewhat, you know, doing things that they'd never done before, you know. Okay. Um, so. This is a Spanish band. Spanish band, yeah. yeah. So, I think, yeah, they were game, but, you know, in, in the same, you know, it was kind of like a Simon Says thing, or just, uh, you know, I was saying, you know, come come this way and they say well it says you know dangerous cliffs you know like, i know come here this is the best view in, in the city uh, you know and they were just doing it because i was i said let's do it right. and i had confidence you know and i said okay you know so let's play it again so we've just played the song i'm not sure i think five times we probably played it five times <laughs> okay. and then just you know said thank you very much and got off the stage and went to jesus and he was like, oh, I think it was a wonderful set. You know, I think it was really wonderful. I was just like, okay, okay yeah, yeah. So cool. he didn't even notice. I don't know. At that point, I didn't understand <laughs> anything that came out of his mouth as, as, you know, if it was true or not. And it blew my mind. At that point, now, the lying about the EP 
that obviously shook your confidence in him. Yeah. And like, was that enough to then question everything he said? Well, then it, it was it basically became a daily thing where he would say things, and I wouldn't know then how to respond. But I was there, you know, I was there. I didn't have any people with me. I was just me by myself, and yeah, and you know, a couple of the guys in Migala spoke good English, and some spoke no English at all. Okay, um, you know, so there wasn't, and we were going to there's like when we rehearsed, I stayed with uh, Ruben, the drummer. I stayed at his mother's house, which was out in the suburbs like you couldn't walk to a store you couldn't walk you know some just in you know sort of like a et poltergeist kind of you know just a subdivision right with no you know no clue how to do anything so i'm all totally dependent on this person that you can't trust yeah but i mean were there were there other were there any other things where you caught him in a lie the 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 main other thing not sure does that make sense yeah, no, there were there were other things, most of which, you know, and again, like when when you presented the idea of com- coming up with, you know, I can think of so many little things about shows that had the potential to be terrible, you know, like in you know so many things about life that have the potential to be terrible, but you know, but usually also because I'm traveling with a group of musicians, mm-hmm. as much as I can, and I don't always succeed, you know, I try to you know make whatever is terrible become the asset of the of the experience sure. or of the, of the yeah. evening so it's there aren't a lot of just plain terrible you know i can think there's like drag city invitational in 1993 where they had every band on drag city played for three nights in chicago at, at lounge acts and that was you know my first biggest show you know and i you was know, you know on all fours in the alley puking before the show just out of nervousness okay. you know um, that's terrible, and the show was probably terrible. You know, it was probably a terrible, terrible show. <laughs> like your your performance. My performance was probably like you, terrible. You were nervous. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I was just learning to. You know, I, I'd spent most of my time. You know, making songs, but not in a public. You know, I, I was very introverted, and okay. and began by making songs, not thinking, like, oh, I have to one day perform these in front of other people like I'm thinking like oh you build a song and then you make a recording of it and that's sort of the end you know because I'm sitting at home listening to records listening to records listening to records and 99% of the records I listen to are by artists who I never would see have the opportunity to see live you know so I don't I'm not making that connection that music needs to be you know like I saw tons and tons of live music but I thought of them as different beasts altogether yeah live music and recorded music and so, yeah, just the idea of being in front of people was always was insanely disorienting and disarming and nerve wracking for a number of years to the point where, it, yeah, I was just thought like, yeah, it was just torturous. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We did, you know, now the, like the other, the, the big, other big Jesus thing that I remember is, you know, he wanted to, we started to talk about the EP and how ultimately he was going to compensate me for the copies, you know, for whatever he sold. And, you know, I said, well, you know, normally with with Drag City, we do this profit split thing. And he said, oh, I don't do that. I do a royalty thing. So I would give you 10, 15%, something like that. Okay, well, if that's how you work, that's how you work. And he had sold, he'd sent a bunch to Drag City to sell in the United States. And when I got back I 
called Drag City and I said, okay, you've, you know, how many did you buy? How many are you going to sell? Okay. That's what you're going to sell. Let's work this out. So I'm told that this is what I'm supposed to receive for these. So how about you give me that percentage now and then he doesn't have to worry about it because I knew that he wasn't going to pay me. Okay. You know? Yeah. So Drag City did that and sure enough, he was just furious. He's like, you can't do that. You can't pay him that money. I'm supposed to pay him that money. But it was just because he wanted to take the money and not pay me. Wait, I think I'm... So, like, I knew... So He was going to give you a percentage of the sales. He claimed he was going to give me a percentage of the sales. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. He but... never... I never saw any money from him, you know, for okay. anything. Uh, so, and I knew... I started to realize that he was being not forthright, if not, right. you know, downright yeah. dishonest. Uh, so I just said, you know, okay, you know, it would be just like if I handed you a record to sell, you sold it, and you owed, and it wasn't my record, it was Jim's record, his his music, and, and I yeah. was going to owe him $3 from that, and you're just like, I can, I'm going to see Jim tomorrow, I'll give him the $3, yeah. and I would say, that's fine. But, so you but if it. I wanted to steal that $3 from Jim, I would say, no, 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 you give it to me, right. and I'll don't worry, I'll send Jim a check in a week or two. Right. Yeah, so I just but asked He had her. made a deal with Drag City that he also planned to not... Was it that it would be harder for him to take the money from Drag City, because they're a, a label? He no he would well no so he sent he pressed his EP in Spain yeah sent it to Drag City to sell to the United States to act as a distributor for the U S essentially now I got yeah, you yeah. okay and and yeah so then. and then I realized I was like I don't you know I called I just said to Drag City like I don't this is what he would owe me for those records I don't think he's gonna pay me you know what would you consider paying me because we have a you know trusting relationship right would you consider paying me for what you sell and then pay him the rest of the money and they said yeah let's try that yeah. and they did and and, gotcha. and he was furious yeah. about it and did that did he find out about that on the tour or was that later? no it was that it was later and i and it still bothered me so much you know dealing with somebody who is is dishonest in that way like it's unbelievable you know it's unbelievable yeah. when totally yeah now, do you think though that he on the on the initial lie do you think he thought, oh, they'll come soon, and so... I don't know. This will never... No. Because it seems pretty obvious. Yeah, if you yeah. you say, oh, they're here, and yeah. then when you get there, they're not there, how did he think he was going to get away with that? I mean, besides just the dishonesty, like, it seems... That's... It's, you couldn't it's, even get out. It's baffling. And, 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 well, within a couple years later, I got a call from... and he, I don't know how he tracked my number down, but from Mark Kozlik. You know Mark okay. Kozlik? Wait, I know that name... He, he he plays as under his own name now and also Sun Kill Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe we'd done a show together in the mid-90s or something like that. But this was maybe 99 because I was living in New York City, 99 or 2000. And, he, you know, he says, hey, well, you know, we've met years ago and I'm sorry to call you out of the blue. I just, I, you know, I needed to talk to somebody, you know. I wanted to check in with somebody because something weird is going on. Well, what's going on, Mark? And he says... Uh, well, I just, you know, I've just finished a tour in Spain, you know, with this guy, Jesus, and, and it's messing with my mind because I feel like he's not being honest with me. Okay. And I wanted to, and I know that you've worked with him, so I wanted to see. Right. And, and I, you know, it was, it was so great to <laughs> right. hear that because it was, it's so busy, you know, now it's an, you know, all you have to do is turn on the radio and wait for the president to speak again and. Something to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. At, at that time. Yeah. You know, we were still like, you know, I was still under the assumption that 
most people who had any sort of authority that had an effect on your life were would do their best to at least try to cover their ass even with a you know but you know having a side story to go with their lie or something right. like that and again well, i you know i i blank out lots of dark things so i didn't you know keep a catalog of his dishonesties and you know and i and marks were was were were also strange because he said you know it's stuff that kind of doesn't some of it is stuff that doesn't matter like right. the why would you say that why would right. you just, you know and and he he said that you know, maybe there were some things that Jesus had volunteered to ship back to the United States for him, or, and they never showed up, or showed up, and there were certain things missing. But he he said, you know, that he couldn't get a straight story out of him, and it was just fucking with his head, you yeah, know. And, yeah. And yeah, like I say, that was really wonderful to hear. To hear that. Yeah. Yeah, the, just to know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Though I feel like, and this was still this was in the nineties. Yeah, but like nowadays with social media, that guy would probably get called out, and he may have been called out. I, I don't know. For all I know, yeah. I don't know. Well, just if this, he still has a label or anything. Because like that. eventually, if you do that to people and they speak to one another, yeah. If someone says, I mean, "Oh, yeah," because I think he said, I think Mark said, you know, you worked with with Will Oldham, and Jesus said, "Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. He loved it." You know, he said, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, give him a call and talk." He's like, "Oh, I don't think you should call him. You know, I don't think you should." <laughs> Uh, he's a very private person, <laughs> but he had said, "Yeah, like that he was gonna, you know, call and talk to me." And and Jesus had, had warned him off of doing that, right? Yeah, told him not to. <laughs> Which at least suggests that he knows he knows the level of his dishonesty. Yeah. If he's like trying, at least in that situation, to to warn him off. Yeah, because at first I wondered. I mean, he seems like a compulsive. I guess he seems kind of like a compulsive liar, and I've right. since known a few compulsive liars, yeah. and I may have known them before and just didn't. Under, you know, a lot of people seem amazing because they spin such beautiful webs, and right. if you don't invest in them, you don't realize that it's, you might never know. Yeah, that you it's, might never it's know. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's what I've been thinking while you're telling this. I've been thinking of I've only I can only think of one person that I know. And it's st- she's still a friend of mine, but now she lies about things that are so easy to check up on uh-huh. that I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I've I've managed for a while to to balance this. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna still be this person's friend and like visit them when I'm you know in their area, but just not believe anything they say. Yeah. But then there's a point where what it part just, of the country is it? It's in Iowa. Oh, good. Different person than I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there can't be that many of these people, but I guess there I are. don't know. Yeah. But I mean, and she's not super involved in music anymore. Like, we toured together in the past, and it had never occurred to me that she would just be a compulsive liar. Mm-hmm. But then there have been a few times where she lied about things that were so pointless. Like you're saying, yeah. just there's no reason. You didn't. It's like we played a show together once in Iowa City. And there was something where, oh, I think I was playing a solo show the night before, and then we were playing together in someone else's band. And she's like, oh, I'm going to come the night earlier to, to see your show. Like, okay, cool. That'd be great. Good, be good to see you. And then she had been seeing this guy, and I asked, I was like, oh, yeah, are you, are you coming with your guy? And she's like, oh, no, I don't know where he's at. I think he's in Chicago or something. We're not talking anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. And there had been something kind of flirty, like there was flirtation Mm -hmm. between us in the past. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, just sort of seeing where that might go. And then 
she comes to the show. She hangs out for like a little bit and she says, oh, actually, her, I'm trying to not say her name, yeah. her guy's name, but, uh, you know, my fella is like outside. He's just passing through Iowa. I'm just going to go talk to him real quick. I was like, okay, that seemed really weird that he was in Chicago, but he's just, he's driving through Iowa City. That mm-hmm. seems really bizarre. And then I think like maybe 20 or 30 minutes goes by and I'm about to play. And so like I, I peek outside to just give her like a, hey, I'm going to play. And she's gone. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't hear from her again that night. And then the next day when I see her, we play the show together. Her guy is at the show. I'm talking to him. We're, I mean, I didn't really know. I had met him once before or something, but we're having a pretty like regular conversation. And I said something about, oh, you're heading to somewhere. And he's like, no, no, I just, I mm. live here with her. Yeah. I was like, that's so weird that she yeah. would like lie to me about this when he's going to be at the show. Like, how did she think I wasn't, I don't know, it's just so weird. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. And it took me, it took something that weird to happen to then start questioning other things that she had said. Right. And then there was this weird, like, oh, I've known this person for years. I don't know which of these things were true and <laughs> which weren't true. Yeah. Um, and most of them don't matter. It's not like most of the time it doesn't seem yeah. like I have to change anything, but it's just so exhausting trying to interact with a person and sort of putting an asterisk after everything they say that that may or may not be true yeah that also may or may not be true have no idea if that's true yeah that's just i got to the point where it's just i don't i don't very often have the energy for that or or desire to spend the energy right doing it yeah yeah because there are you know there are great stories about great people who are who you learn are compulsive liars and so you know we're taught that you shouldn't like say somebody you know if you're gonna say this person was a compulsive liar yeah you know you're not supposed to say that because it's talking smack about somebody even right. though if they're really a compulsive liar everybody <laughs> who knows them knows that they are right. and, it, yeah. and, it, and it i guess there was there, i knew a fellow who you know really interesting amazing talented guy and he died and i had worked with him a little bit but then realized like oh He's somebody who's, you know, he's sitting right across from me and he's telling me things that I know aren't true as if I'm supposed to believe that they're true. Right. I can't, therefore, continue having a professional relationship with this person. And it was very upsetting in a lot of ways because he was such an amazing guy in so many ways. And I went to a memorial for him and, like, one of the first eulogizers came up and said, you know, like the first thing he said was, you know, well, this guy was a liar. Okay. You know, and I was like, oh, phew. It was like, I'm so glad that this whole, you know, we're in a room with, you know, 50 people. And, yeah. you know, probably a lot of people are thinking like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> right. You know, and it was, and it was a room full of love for this person. Right. But that was just something that you had to understand. Just at least and, acknowledge. Because, Yeah. Now, it's interesting, with this, with the friend I'm talking about, I still love her, and I still want to be her friend, and we've sort of, for the most part, nothing that I do depends greatly on her telling the truth. Like, for the most yeah. part, yeah. we can enjoy each other's company, I'll visit, we'll catch up, and it's sort of fine. But I mean, when you talk about having a, 
a professional relationship, especially when you're talking about like I can see where with Jesus, mm-hmm. you're saying so much there is about you're totally dependent on this person. Yeah. Your well-being depends on this person who you can't trust. Yeah. That's an awful place to be in Yeah, where you need someone to advocate for you. You're in a place where you don't speak the language necessarily. You don't have it within your means to just take care of yourself all the time. You're sort of going there with the assumption that this person is is helping. Yeah. And then you can't trust what they say. Yeah. That's so much worse. Yeah. And then obviously anything where money's involved just gets so much more dicey if the other person is someone you don't trust. That's, yeah. Yeah. You need whatever little money you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, make, it sort of made me resolve in general, you know, I like if I'm going somewhere, sometimes it's okay to depend on hospitality, but usually I'm just say, you know, tell me what time sound check is and I can I know how to get from an airport to yeah. a venue or an airport to anything. I can do right. that. I can do I can even probably feed myself. You don't have to tell me that dinner's gonna be ready. If it's not gonna be ready, you don't have to right. tell me I mean <laughs> let me just worry about yeah. playing the best sets I can play and you know, you be sure that there's a PA there or you know Right. Yeah. Because yeah, there's so much room for things that could trigger like dishonesty PTSD <laughs> right. like okay yeah. is this person lying to me or did he or she not know that you know it yeah. was an outdoor venue you know right. next to a construction site I mean I don't know your experience but I feel like at least within the circles that I mostly travel I mean DIY shows and I think in Europe too just the vast majority of people are lovely are are doing yeah things for the love of it you know and especially i think i i know the stories of if you're gonna if you're you know if you're dealing with huge corporate labels if you're dealing with like the industry on the sort of upper echelons i assume lots of people are dishonest yeah but in terms of promoters that i interact with you know just in the last two weeks of like folks who are usually making no money doing it who are just stoked to bring their favorite band their favorite artist to town and it is overwhelmingly people who are not only honest but who are taking a loss in order to make this thing happen yeah. in some way um and hospitable generous i mean i think i one of the things i love about living on tour is getting to see people at their best so often of just people who are stoked about this thing happening and so go out of the way to try to make it right for people and so then in that context to think of somebody who's deliberately trying to steal from you or trying to like (laughs) that's it's so out of place It, it I can see, I'm just imagining your incredulity of like, wait, this guy's... Yeah. <laughs> like, Especially, yeah, because yeah, it felt very friendly. It felt like it was basically all based on yeah. friendship, love of music, trust, yeah. you know, a sense of adventure. You know, we're all putting ourselves out there. Yeah. You know, so we all are dependent upon each other to, you know, to be there and do our part Yeah. to make this thing happen. And then when he wasn't playing by those very basic rules and you just then you don't know what the rules are (laughs) well i think especially i mean i guess you didn't find out till later that he had intended to or that when he got angry about you bypassing him Uh with the ep but that seems like a that's like a really 
red flag, I guess. At the, at the, I mean, it, it didn't happen till later, so it's not like... It, well, that didn't happen till later, but that happened because, you know, discussions about royalties for the EP and then discussion about, you know, was I was there any money at the end of the, the tour also? The way that those conversations went, I just thought, this is not right, but I have no... I can't, you know, what do I... How do I challenge him? Because right. I can't get him to show him to me paperwork or something, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, right. we were traveling and... Because, yes... For me, at that time in the late 90s, Spain, and then like the first trip I did in Italy was also was maybe 97, 98, and it's, it was wild and chaotic, and there's no, be no way, just felt lucky that shows were happening. Right. There'd be no way to look at the inner workings of, of were there, shows. Were there any things like you were saying, the example of when he told Mark, like, oh, no, no, you probably shouldn't, I mean, that, that to me is like one of those red flags, yeah. you know, where you're like... Oh, you don't want me to talk to somebody else who's worked with you? That you you've told me that he had a great time. Yeah. But you don't want me to confirm yeah. that? That's probably a, yeah. a good sense of something. Like was there anything during the tour that that stood out like that? Where like, you know, like, it's so long ago to... now that I can't, you know, I know that there were things and I was my head was constantly spinning. Yeah, every day, I think every day having conversations with him, you know, I would turn to the Megala guys who you know, I met through him on that tour, and I like these guys a lot, and I see as many of them as possible when I go back to Spain, you know, which the last time was a year ago, and it's wonderful to see them. And, yeah. and I felt right away, like, it's a, it was a six-piece, so, you know, different relationships with different members of the group, but right away, like, a real strong connection, like, that we wanted to like each other and liked each other and trusted each other and just, you know, were eager to... Yeah converse about music and life and just spend this time together and so i you know and i can't but but they were he was like their kind of manager guy right and you know he had put together this tour where you know they were playing their sets for an audience coming to see you know an international artist you know so they were you know to them and and also you know yeah i just kept wanting to turn to them and say what's up you know what is up with Jesus and they they would say oh I th- you know everything's going to work out but because I think they wanted it to work out I don't right. think they were covering for him as much as they were maybe just hoping that he would I don't even know because again like the first trip that I'd had with him was just three or four shows but it was wonderful it was awesome yeah great yeah but did it seem like I mean you if I hear you right you're saying also they were in a position where they were definitely getting what they were promised or like what they hoped to get out of yeah. it. Yeah. Which was just like to play on these bills. And yeah. so there wasn't something that they were worried about him withholding from them. And again, they also all at the time and now, I think they're all on some levels engaged with music, but they all had other jobs then and they all have other jobs now. Yeah. So I think it was just like, oh, this is amazing that we can do this with our, this thing that we love to do. Right. But it wasn't crucial to their existence also right. you know it's so like yeah. i think to them to think like oh that we could you know that things could go well or we could you know make a hundred dollars or anything is just like that's gravy if it yeah if it occurs right you know where i'm thinking you know i'm not just not just here to have fun with my friends because i'm not you know here with my friends yet you know we're right. becoming friends right, but right. i came here by myself to yeah try to figure out a way to present music to people and yeah and you flew from another country to yeah. do that and it yeah. costs money and you need to do it in a way that's sustaining yeah right yeah 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 but i i just wonder too though 
I mean, you said you keep in touch with them now. There's still, I mean, I think there's an appropriate amount of, maybe if not outrage, at least condemnation if if someone's lying to your friend. If like somebody's... You yeah, know, except I think, you know, as you know with your friend in Iowa or... Yeah. In order to spend much time with somebody like that, you have to be either willfully blind or very forgiving and accepting. Right. And I think they'd probably already at that point done enough things on a friendship level and to some extent on a music and, you know, yeah. some degree of music business level that they just, they worked that into the equation. Yeah. You know, it was just part of... Yeah, I guess his, so. His, his weirdness or his foibles were just... But again, I, I kind of distinguish between the the sort of harmless lies, which are still annoying because you'd like to just trust that someone will tell you the truth as yeah. far as they know it. Yeah. And then the thing where if it's like, if he's intending to not pay you the money that he says he's going to pay you. Yeah. And it seems like he made pretty clear later that that was yeah. the case. That's not a harmless lie. Like, that's theft. Like, he's stealing from you. Yeah. And <laughs> but it, but again, you know, like with all due respect to things that function well in Spain, you know, I knew, you know, it was it was it was also amazing to watch this movie that was made by these folks, uh, Mike and Suki. They were, they had been in a band that was like a well loved, you know, touring U- U.S. band, like you know, house show kind of band. I'm trying to think what they were called, and they'd made a couple of they made a couple of movies that were centered around underground music, and they'd made this one in Spain and. Uh, similar to getting Mark Koslick's phone number a couple of years later, like seeing this movie around that time, I just thought, oh, well, this was in many ways my exact experience that I had. Yeah. Because, you know, they got this guy. It's amazing that, the, I mean, so, and the guy that, that played the promoter tour manager, Unai, was really Unai. I mean, he was, he was a t- promoter tour manager who screwed things up on tours. Yeah. But, allowed himself to play himself screwing oh, things oh, up. Oh, I see what you're saying. There was yeah. like, even that guy didn't take it as like a criticism. I think he it kind of like, did, but you also, you see this his, you see his hopelessness at times. Like he's realizing in the movie, like, oh, I can't do anything right. I'm, I'm fucking things up left and right. You know, I'm trying to be there for this band that I love. Yeah. And this show got canceled, but I'm afraid to tell him. So I'm going to tell him that it didn't get canceled, but then it got moved <laughs> to another city and it's the next night. And you watch that happen in the movie, and maybe that's some of the kind of stuff that Jesus was doing, just like, if I told him the truth, you know, or, you know, it could also be that when the money came in for the, you know, maybe he was thinking like, okay, well, I rented a van for Will to tour with Migala, and I don't have the money to pay for it, but it's okay, because when I sell these EPs and Drag City sends me the money, I can pay for the van, but I told them that the tour money is covering the van, you know, like basically just right. adding, putting he lie upon lie some, upon lie upon lie upon lie, thinking that yeah. he's doing it for the good of everybody. Or maybe even if I like, and, and then hoping he can kick the can well down the road forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah. But I need to. And if he doesn't, then maybe you know, maybe he'd just think, well, I'll worry about that then. And and if yeah. and if it came down to you know, hey, hey, Zeus, you know, where's the money for the EP sales or where's the money for the tour? He could say, well, you know, it's not, it's coming, right. you know, but. Um, I think if you, there's one more show, and if you could come back in the fall, uh, right. it's a big. We got a big sponsorship, and you know it's going to cover everything. Right. And you know, <laughs> but we had a problem with expenses, and they didn't pay me, or yeah. you know, the transfer got lost from Drag City in the bank, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, whatever. Like just instead of just saying, 
I fucked up. I misjudged. And this person fucked me over, but I'm not going to, you know, whatever. You know, like seeing this great little movie story illustrate some of what I'd just been through and kind of make a protagonist out of Unai, even as he was as hapless and, (laughs) you know, untrustworthy as Jesus was, you end up feeling bad for him. Right. I'm not there. I, well, I, I don't. I don't mind. I mean, I still have you know my good memories of of Jesus. You know. Yeah. But at the time, it was just. It was like you know getting a certain kind of cherry busted. It's that blatant dishonesty cherry. Right. But do you think that you said earlier about the dishonesty PTSD? It sounds like that show also or that tour shaped. Like, do you go looking for it now, or or, or like, are you? Do you feel like you're more? I don't want to say sensitive to it, but I mean more prone to spot it now. If like, are you looking for? Yeah. After a few, you know, after yeah, there's a few experiences, you know, where you begin to be able to separate like the practical people from the liars, from the the dreamers, right? You know, because there's a lot of people who will present ideas that just have no hope of, right? And then there's other people who something just seems awry and too good to be true, and it's usually just kind of too good to be true i guess yeah yeah and you can try to see if you can get away with you know with your skin or and 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 engage with them you know like there there was the the guy who did the all tomorrow's parties shows okay yeah he always had interesting business practices and i was aware of that and there were other things that i didn't understand or care for or respect about certain ways that i was aware that he handled his business but you know at one point he offered like some ungodly sum to play a show and i just thought you know we can work it into a tour i almost the pleasure that i would get from taking that much money from him is (laughs) is you know is you know is not to be sneezed at you know so we we played the show and and um, but and then ultimately it was you know like six or nine months of chasing him to get uh, paid. Right. Did he eventually pay you the amount that he had said? He eventually did. Yeah, yeah. But it was six or nine months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and my, and, yeah. But fortunately, my booking agent did the chasing. You know, and and it was you know it was like I knew it going in. I knew it absolutely. Yeah. I knew it going in. I was just like, okay, this guy. So this is what I'm realizing too as I'm thinking about this is that. Tell me if this is right. This is my now my my sort of observation is that so you also kind of straddle. I don't even want to say two worlds because it's more of like a spectrum. But I mean, when we've played together in Whitesburg, yeah, that was like again my like my more typical experience of like a thoroughly sweet person yeah. who was excited to have you there, and yeah. have me there, and have the whole thing happen, and was as kind as could be and yeah. generous. And it would shock me if anything, if anybody involved with that place was dishonest. Right. Like not, and even not just the like deliberately like lying, but even just the the kind of hapless, pathetic dishonest that you're talking about yeah, with yeah. Unai or something, you know, like everybody was so kind and so forthright and so like excited yeah. and doing it from a place of love. So for me, that's like kind of the majority of experiences. And then I'm just kind of thinking about you exist on probably a larger spectrum where you are playing shows like that and then All Tomorrow's Parties or like these other shows that are for a lot more money yeah. and with a lot more of these like, 
I don't know what else to call them, but like industry yeah. sort of people involved who I inherently don't trust yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Uh, unless I have reason to think otherwise. Um, so that's what I'm now, I'm sort of thinking about and they're curious about, like, is that accurate to say that you, you kind of, this wide spectrum between the DIY and the sort of like indie rock upper echelon industry, Mm -hmm. you kind of occupy all that space in between. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so then I guess wondering about, are, does that PTSD only come about? when you're dealing with potential snakes in like in a place where snakes are not uncommon it kind of i mean like the snakes in the upper echelons well like the thing that just occurred to me yeah and this is just funny because we're like we're sitting in your attic and like lounging comfortably uh i just some for some reason just now i remembered you were in that kanye west video yeah and I was like, oh, that's so weird to think about that. Like, yeah. that you and I are hanging out right now as, like, just dudes who've played one show together and hung out a couple yeah. times together. And you also were in a video for Kanye West. Yeah. Although, I mean, <laughs> like, the way that that, like, that happened pretty organically. And and that's, and, and like, I, don't, I get uncomfortable when I'm placed into an environment of of any type that doesn't feel like there's a natural path to it, you know, so that, so well, that, and like, I'm like a lot of people, I'm sort of done with Kanye now, but, uh, but I mean, but I just, it's so crazy. Like that Kanye and this Kanye, right. I mean, I, yeah, right. I was thinking the other day, I was like, Oh yeah, I was in a video, <laughs> you know, credited to this guy, Kanye West, who's now, you know, this other, thing in right. so many ways but i'm saying even kind of besides that i guess what that made me suddenly realize or, or what just became more clear to me is that in making a kanye west video i'm assuming you dealt with people whoever was paying you and like this no is like so see so fortunately folks. yeah no fortunately it was it was totally uh no that was because the you know at the time the comedians at galifianakis he had a couple of times reached out and asked if i would participate in a stand-up act and you know it wouldn't work out and he'd say well you should at least sometime come to my farm in north carolina and visit yeah and at one point i needed to go somewhere like just for my sanity and i just thought oh he keeps saying i should go to his farm like were you guys friends or no no music and like yeah exactly never we had never met face to face so i called and i said you know might this weekend be okay are you at your farm could i come visit And he's like yeah sure yeah, here's the direction. So I drove to his farm in the middle of nowhere yeah. in North Carolina and drove up the driveway and he was there and his girlfriend, who's his wife now, was there. Maybe another friend of his, maybe, or maybe it was just those two at first. And he just said, you know, oh, by the way, we're also making a Kanye West video this weekend. <laughs> and, you know, And I'm like sitting like on his patty porch or whatever. And, you know, and, I, and within an hour of getting there, like a couple people show up and they like bring a boom box and they start playing the song and essentially the video making just begins okay like and there's no and it's just him and his colleagues so there's no kanye people at all there and it was just so the next 48 hours was just him or did he yeah because he 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 had done on his own uh i think it was he, he had made like a comedy video for a Anita Baker song, I think, where okay. he but he played it straight, but he's lip syncing her 
Yeah. And he's like waking up in bed. Um, you know, it's a straight, but ex- except it's this, you know, fat redheaded guy. Right. But singing Anita Baker lyrics, you yeah. know, and it's, and, and I think Kanye West had seen that and thought it was awesome. And so and I was like, asked yeah, him, do yeah. that on my shit. Yeah. But then at the same time, I think, well, it took like, you know, a weekend to shoot that. And, and at one point, Towards the end of the weekend, I think Zach found out that Kanye was, you know, hedging his bets and doing a, a legit video for the same song. And he was very, okay. very upset. Very dis. I mean, not not like he was just disappointed. He was like, "Oh wow, I thought I thought you know he was like putting his eggs in this basket, and I thought right. that was so cool." And but he and then I think he made another video that's just you know him in the desert or something like that singing the song. With him like being cool, being cool for yeah, the camera and so. stuff. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't get. I've never gotten paid for that. For example, it was just. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think I even signed a release or anything. Just we just had fun for the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it actually, it never occurred that. to me until now that there might have been a budget and I could have gotten paid. It was never. Right. It was never broached. Yeah. Okay. So it and you know that makes me feel good that it kind of it is what it looks like. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's you and Zach Galifianakis hanging out. Hanging out and, hanging out and having and yeah. And, trying to come up with funny shit you know to make each other laugh yeah you know i think like yeah i like i think it opens with him with the chainsaw i think he had said like write something on my face and i think i was so it was very end of the weekend i was so tired and probably drunk i think i just wrote turd on his face (laughs) that's like one of the first things you see in in the video and i think i was not conscious for you know 40 minutes after that i think i was passed out and gone yeah yeah Okay, so this whole thing was maybe not a good, good example. I was really just trying to think of, even with my friend in Iowa, mm-hmm. I another one of my um, best friends who's who's very honest, um, too honest sometimes. Uh, we we have this sort of shorthand where we talk about, um, and actually I hate saying this now because Trump used this as like a, like an anti-immigrant kind of racist thing. But we say it's like if you're handling a snake, if you know you're handling a snake, yeah then, you know, you approach with caution. You can still handle a snake if you know how to handle a snake. But if you don't know how to handle a snake, you should put that shit down. And then if you're handling a snake, expect to get bit, like if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Sort of, you know. And and I've sometimes used that kind of phrase for like, if you have a friend and you really care about that friend and you want to have a relationship with them and are willing to do that despite a pretty gaping flaw like yeah compulsive lying that's a choice you get to make yeah but then my whole approach in general i think with relationships is if you're going to love somebody love them for who they are and if you bring expectations that are not actually in any kind of alignment with who they are you're going to be disappointed and that's kind of on you Mm -hmm. and you get to choose to not have someone in your life if they're not who you want to be with but to, to, to try to like make it work and expect them to be who you want them to be. If you know them and know that that's not who they are, you need to make a choice of either let them go or adjust your expectations to who they actually are. And so this this thing of like, well, I'll handle a snake sometimes. Like, yeah. if there's other, you know, if there's other things about them that I appreciate enough, then I'll, I'll deal with somebody's dishonesty or, you know, I'm just using dishonesty as an yeah. example, but there's lots of other things. But so I'm imagining there are situations where there are, I'm just, so I'm saying industry snakes or whatever. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I have this, you know, the, my, my booking agent is this guy whose name is David Viacelli and his company's called the Billions Corporation, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
And I met him in the 80s. Um, and his name at the time was Botch, B-O-T-C-H, Billings, B-I-L-L-I-N-G-S. And that's what he went by. And, you know, okay. he was just like when we would go up to Chicago, he's from Canada, but he spent, I think he lived a long time. He, he's, you know, he lives in Chicago now. And he was just always on the scene in the same, because that's, that's what I was in the 80s. I, I didn't play any music, you know, I was always at shows and practices and yeah. whatever. And that's how I got to know Botch. He would just be, you know, at shows, if it was Chicago shows, like, you know, Chicago stuff, like Big Black or rifle sport or naked ray gun or you know he would be around and and then you know i started playing shows he had started his booking agency and changed the spelling of his name to b-o-c-h-e and billions botch billions instead of botch billings and his hair was shorter and he wore nicer clothes and and i said you know i'm starting to play music would you consider being you know being my booking agent he said yeah and from there like he continued to build his thing, you know, and it got bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. So, you know, now he like, whatever I, you know, whatever he built books, the arenas and stuff like, you know, he'll book, Okay. you know, I'm always shocked when I find out who's <laughs> been part of his agency, either under other agents or under him. But, you know, the downside of that is that I don't really want to ever end our business relationship because it's been so long and I trust him so much. Right. But at the same time, with each passing day over the past 25 years, he gets less familiar with the kind of situations that I'm comfortable with. Right. As just, you know, his day does not include these things. Right. And so it's always reinventing the wheel, when, you know, to, yeah. you know, like when I, I say like, okay, this is the tour that I'd kind of like to do. This part of the country, this time of the year, you know these kinds of venues you know and and it's and it's always like having to re go over because you know he's trying to create a network of people that he can trust that he knows they're not going to screw with him right he also you know has you know if we play a bigger venue like i know that he can chase down like the all tomorrow's parties guy because he has clout right you know and he right. can say well if you don't you know you have to yeah. pay this guy you, you signed the contract because right. I mean, I can not give you these other artists right. or, you know. Right. He's not somebody yeah. you want to piss off. Right. The, you know, so the, 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 you know, the disadvantage is that I don't like to do necessarily the kind of tours that would be easy for him to set up, you know, that he could do with this, right. you know, hands tied behind his back. Like he could set up a decent routing and decent money, no problem right away. Right. But essentially, you know, it's because he's the buffer between the snakes, you know, because right. you end up, you walk in these buildings and you're just I like, you're saying. Yeah. I don't really like being in this building. I don't like anybody, you know, not, not, <laughs> not you know, nothing against them as people, but the way they right, deal right. with, with music, I don't like it at all. It makes me very uncomfortable. Okay. And if it weren't for Botch, I would never be here, you know, but I know I can walk in and out of here and get a set played and walk out safely but it's not going to be that fulfilling in many other ways you know a lot of separation usually between audience and musician there but it's so it's like you know when i try when i wanted to play different kinds of shows it's it's yeah it's like okay either just i'll call him and say you know what botch i'm going to do a week of these shows and there's no money to be made, so but I just wanted you to know. And he'll say, "Okay, thanks for telling me, Will. Yeah. You know, you want, if you want any help with that, I can help out. 
Right. But, you know, if you're good, you're good. And I'm like, I'm good. You right. know? So it works. So I see what you're saying. So, like, he, yeah, he's the buffer. In the situations where you might have snakes around you, one, you, it seems like you, at this point, know enough of what places are snake infested to mostly avoid them. And then if you do really need to be in a place, you've kind of got this guy in your corner. Yeah. Who will keep you from having to, like, actually. Yeah, too much. but it means that, you know, as, yeah, there's this middle ground also, you know, most of the artists that he probably deals with, and a lot of people who get into music, a lot of people who get into music just think like, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to play these bigger rooms. Right. And don't think like the ramifications for themselves or the audience or anything of what, what right. it means to play those rooms. And, right. And, you know, he can pay his agents better and he can make sure his bands get paid more if they play those rooms so he's looking for those opportunities more than he's looking for you want to play this room that you know doesn't pay anything and you know there may be buckets on the stage collecting water from the ceiling and be like yeah i heard it's a great venue (laughs) well this that made me think of because i was just in columbus indiana yeah and uh ian there who's one of the people i was thinking of as far as just like the kindest most generous lovely humans he told me that you you ended yeah. up playing there. Yeah. And I loved this. Um, I told you about yeah. that place, right? And I think I told you, like, it's awesome because there's a bunch of kids there. It's yeah. all high school kids. And when I play there, that's just what it is. But I, I love... He told me that you knew that if you played there, probably folks would come from, like, Bloomington yeah. or other places nearby. And it would fill up with whoever yeah and you wanted to play a show for kids yeah and so you actually made it was it like 18 and under i mean yeah yeah and and yeah i mean like unfortunately i throw a lot of you know obstacles in everybody's way that makes it more difficult you know in drag city's way or in in his way like you know because nobody he he, loved this he did love it but but it, it it you know the way that it got i think he got really excited and made it i think it was i don't know if it was a there may have been three other acts or four other acts yeah so that unfortunately with an 18 and under crowd by the time i went on stage most of them had to go home because the buses had stopped running or their parents <laughs> right. had to you know so i didn't get to play to all the kids because they had to go home by right. 10 right, right. 15 or something like that so right. but he was excited like oh you know this band really wants to play this show or I, and i would i think will should see this other band so i'm going to put them on the bill yeah, and you know, and everybody plays long sets. And well, they other. all yeah. Every show I've played there three times, and it's always a ton of bands. Yeah, and that's just it's like they try to get everybody who yeah. plays music right in that little town to be on the bill. But I should have played like in the middle of the sure, evening or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. and and but even still, like this, I can see what you're saying, but it's like it's an obstacle, but it's it's also there's um who was it? I think it was. His name's Ian, who runs uh, Constellation Records. Uh-huh. I read an interview of his one time. Where the, basically, you know Constellation, are you familiar with Is it in Chicago? No. No, it's in uh, Montreal. No. Uh-uh. It's like uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor and oh, okay. Silver Mount Zion. And, right, okay. Um, it was an interview about the record industry or, or sort of, and one of the things that they asked him was like, well, what do you think makes Constellation different than some of your peers or something? He said, well... We know that this idea that, like, we just want to get as much music out there as possible to all the fans. Like, people say that all the time, and we know you can't actually run 
an ethical enterprise yeah. if that is your only yeah. maxim. Like yeah. if you if you, we do things that limit our audience, that limit our reach every day, we make choices about packaging that we yeah. want things to be made in Canada, not made overseas under slave labor conditions. You know, we try to not use plastic. There's just like things yeah. we do either for economic reasons or political reasons every day that don't maximize our profit or our reach. Yep. And you have to do that. If you're going to do anything ethically, you yeah. can't just make the whole driving force be to make as much money as possible or to play as, to as many people as possible, yeah. right? And so some of what you're calling obstacles, I mean, yeah, they're obstacles in a way, but it's saying it's there's something obstacles. that I care about here more than the amount of money that I'm going to make or like the number of people we can cram in a room. Yeah. And in that situation, it's, it was like, if I'm going to play to kids, I want to play to kids. Right. And make it cool for them. Yeah. And for me. So there's an obstacle because if I don't make somewhat of an obstacle, then it just means I won't actually get the experience that I was hoping to create for myself or the other people. Right. It's, it's an obstacle to shape intention. Yep. But, it, and I'm sort of just throwing that out there as an example because I think I'm, I get what you're saying. Like you you're occupying this world now where you've done it enough to to try to not be in a room full of snakes <laughs> try to try to yeah. shape it into something still fulfilling and 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 good for you and for everyone involved yeah if possible and balance you know just... as i you know also as i get older you know the musicians that i know get older and so if you're thinking about going out on the road you have to balance like how good a musician can i get who's also willing to put up with certain obstacles and how much do i need to be able to pay any given person who's a great musician you yeah. know as well and so and if i'm going to do that then got to play this show and this show and right mix it up yeah yeah Oh, your snake story. Though you know, do you know the story? You probably do, but I think it's like a turtle and a scorpion, maybe. Oh, frog and a scorpion. Frog, maybe? It's a frog and a scorpion. They're yeah. going across the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. But it, now it's funny. In that story, it's sort of like the scorpion can't help it, right? Isn't it the scorpion? The, yeah, the scorpion he, promises that he's not going like, to. Why? Why would I? Yeah. Why would I sting you? Then we'll both drown. Yeah. And then he stings him anyway. Yeah. He says, why did you sting me? Like, I'm a scorpion. Yeah, it's my nature. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, maybe Jesus just... Yeah, or the Iowan or, you know, Jesus whoever... Jesus just doing what he does. Man. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just so shocking the first couple times. <laughs> right. And then you just try to work it into your life view. Right. You know. Try to not let him on your back next yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, you... Going it's across the river. If you don't think that... And and it's great, like, it seems like it's been a year since I've been worried that, you know, our national leadership is going to lead to nuclear holocaust, because that would be an irreversible right. mistake on his and their part. But if, you know, if you just think like, okay, we're just by, you know, it's like when, you know, Elsa was taught like a mantra for going through labor, you know, contractions that are the most painful thing you've ever experienced in your life, the mantra you say, you know, I can do anything for 60 seconds, because that's usually, you know, what they last. And think okay. like... Well, we can do anything for however long this administration is going to last. We, and, and it can be amazing and wild and hilarious and educational, you know, and heartbreaking along the way. But we can pick ourselves up again as long as the scorpion doesn't actually sting you and drown you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
And I guess nuclear holocaust would be the ultimate. That would be the thing. Where you're like, well, scorpions. Wasn't yeah, wouldn't. But you know, uh, what did you expect? Like, hopefully, <laughs> you know, he has a red button right there. Would you think he wasn't going to push it? Right. Like if he gets impeached, that's the last thing he's going to do on his way out of the office. Just be last like, day. Bong. Yeah. 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 So long, suckers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say thank you, Will, for thanks you for sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming up to the new music room. Yeah. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Dewana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.